And hey, let me ask you a question. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who talks too much? <laughs> some of you some of you know how to behave. You didn't want to, you're married and you're like, I'm not raising my hand. I want to, but I'm not doing it. You can't make me pass around. <laughs> You know, one thing I've noticed about Grapevine, it didn't take long for us, actually, before we even said yes to coming here, is Grapevine people know how to talk. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that you guys can carry a conversation. It, 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 and that's good for me because, honestly, if I could just be a little transparent before you this morning, I really am an introvert. I, I really, I'm an only child. I like being alone. I like, I like playing solitaire and cheating, amen? Uh, I, what are you saying, yes? How do you know? You don't even play? I don't. I don't cheat anymore. I used to cheat a long time ago, but I'm a Christian now, so I don't cheat when I play solitaire. But I, I really am. I'm, I'm not real good in one-on-one -on -one type situations unless the conversation's focused. Like if, if I'm going to go into a room and there's going to be like a little group of people hanging out, it's like, isn't the weather nice? You know, that's so stupid, but it's, it's, it's my default because I'm not good with people. I love a big crowd. Now, don't get me wrong. I love, I'm the party animal. You know, I like to make a fool of myself. Amen. If you've been coming to this church long enough, you know that uh, I do uh, have a tendency to, to, to you know, uh, just be very transparent. But, um, but appreciate it. So when I come into a grapevine setting, I don't really have to worry about carrying the conversation. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. We all love to talk. And there's talk shows. If you turn on the TV during the day, there's like 10 different talk shows going on. And I've never even heard of these guys. Okay, now, Dr. Phil, I've heard of him, right? Oprah Winfrey, you haven't heard of But there's guys out there who are like, who is that guy? Where did they come from? How did they get a talk show? They must be Grapevine members. <laughs> you guys aren't warming up to me yet, but you will. Give me a few more minutes, all right? But I'll say this. Everybody has something to say. And here are some statistics about the average American, if you will. You will have at least 30 conversations every day. You'll, you'll spend one-fifth of your life talking. In one year, your conversations will fill 66 800-page books. Yeah. And if you're a man, you speak an average of 20,000 words a day. And if you're a woman, 30,000. And I'm not trying to be funny. It's just truthful. Can I get an amen from the men? Amen. It's, like the guy, it's like the guy who was asked, don't you dislike it when your wife always gets the last word? He's like, no, I don't mind. I just wish you'd get there quicker. Some of us never learn. We have the natural ability to say the wrong thing at the wrong time. Anybody sitting next to somebody like that? Yeah. <laughs> Our mouths get us into trouble. It's like the, the stock boy at the grocery store clerk. He, he, a, a, a lady asked him if she could buy a half a head of lettuce. So the stock boy went to the department manager, not realizing that the lady was following him there. And when he got there, he said, hey, you're not going to believe this. There's some old bag that wants to buy a half a head of lettuce. And when he turned around and she was standing there, he said, and this young lady would like to buy the other half. <laughs> Listen, our mouths get us into a lot of trouble, right? Today we're going to look at what James has to say about managing your mouth. And I think that we can all use a little help 
in this department. Tell your neighbor, this message is for you, right? James talks more about the tongue than anybody else in all the New Testament. All five chapters in the book of James have something to say about managing your mouth. We're going to spend some time in James chapter 3, so, so turn to James chapter 3 and get ready. I want to pray before I go any further. Probably a good idea, huh? Lord, uh, anoint my mouth. I give my mouth to you this morning to be used in service to the kingdom of God. I pray that our ears would be open, Lord, and that we would hear what the Spirit of God is trying to teach us today in regards to the tongue and our mouths and, and all that it implies and all that it does in our walk with you. Bless my words today, Lord. I just want to communicate well today that we would all be able to grow closer to you than when we came in the door. In Jesus' name, amen. So you have James, right? James chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be spending some time there. I was going to read all 12 verses, but we're going to kind of read them anyway as I go through the material. But we're going to start on verse 2. Look at this. It says, uh, for we all stumble in many things. Can I get a witness? If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. James says, if you can control your mouth, you're perfect. He's not saying you're sinless. He's saying you're perfect. Actually, the, that word perfect in the Greek it literally means mature or healthy. And that's one of your fill-ins today if you have a bulletin. I had one. I'll, I'll help you out here. We call these informational fans now, okay? So if you have that, it means mature or healthy is that word perfect. So what James is saying, if you're able to control your mouth, you are becoming a mature and healthy Christian. We all should be growing in regards to our mouths in the kingdom of God. I'm not getting too much preaching back yet, but hey, it's a tough subject. I understand. Check it out. I'm only preaching this because I had to go through it this week. Amen? I, I I, I was convicted of the Lord today, or not today, but this week as I was putting this material together, because I've got to be honest and transparent with you, I don't always say the right thing. See, it's okay to tell on Pastor Ron, but when I ask you to be honest, you're like, no. Not sitting next to nobody like that. I don't even know anybody like that. Well, you do now, me, all right? Sometimes I say the wrong thing at the wrong time, amen? Uh, sometimes I got F-I-M -F disease, foot in mouth disease, amen? James says if you can control your tongue, you're perfect. When you go to a doctor what, and you tell him you're sick, what's the first thing he tells you to do? Stick out your tongue. He wants to look at your tongue. Why? Because your tongue reveals what's going on inside of you. Spiritually and physically. James says we need to learn to manage our mouth and we, near, we need to learn to tame our tongue. So, so the first thing here, we need, to, we need to learn to watch what we say. It's just, a, it's just a good practice to get into your life. Be careful what you say. Listen, your tongue has tremendous influence and control over your life. James says that words are powerful, and he's going to give us three things that, that kind of show us, and give us an illustration of what he means. So the first thing there, your letter A, it says, it says, my tongue directs where I go. Where are you heading in life? Where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? If you look at your conversations, 
What do they look like? What does it sound like when you communicate? What are you talking about? What most interests you? Is it the things of God or the things of the world? And I'm telling you, if you're talking about more about the things of the world than you are the things of the Lord, you're going to be more worldly than you are godly. It's just, a, it's just a natural progression. It's a natural migration of things. Listen, we shape our words, and then our words shape us. Anybody in the room yet? Can I get an order of Starbucks for all these people on this side of the room, please? Just, just put the spigot right there on them, okay? Open up the floodgates, because no, I'm, just, I'm just teasing you. James says that the tongue is small. He says it's a tiny member in our bodies. And because it's so small, many times we think it's insignificant. But I'll tell you this, the tongue has tremendous power in our life. If you look at verse 3 of James chapter 3, he, he gives us an illustration. He said, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. James is talking about, get this picture in your mind, this two to 3,000-pound stallion, right? And a 95-pound soaking wet jockey sitting on it, making that horse go and do whatever he wants to do, all because there's a tiny piece of metal placed strategically in the mouth of that horse. Man, that's crazy to me. Everybody, have you seen a jockey? I can pick a jockey up like this and throw him. <laughs> Better not, I'll get in trouble. What did you say, I'll go to jail? Janet, no, no, Janet come here, Janet. Let me use you as an illustration. <laughs> But it's just like our tongue. Listen, a little bit of a word or a phrase can imp impact the total direction of your life. Listen, I know people, and you do too, who have either made a proposal or accepted a proposal from the wrong type of person. Amen? And they have been caught up in an abusive relationship for years because of the words that came out of their mouth. I do. Some have accepted job positions or careers and been stuck in a dead-end lifestyle, showing up to work every single day, dreading it, dragging themselves out. Can't wait till Friday. Listen, I can't wait till Monday. I love what I get to do. And Sunday, the first day of the week for me, is the best day of the week. Amen? But some people go to work every day, and they dread it, and they spend their entire lives there, and they can't wait to retire so they can lay down and die, all because they said yes to a career choice. Others have said the wrong thing and have spent the rest of their life trying to repair the damage. Come on, somebody. That their words. Listen, my family loves me. I've been, I, I'm pointing over here. Janet, you're my family now. You are the seed of illustration today. I'm going to throw you like a jockey, and now you're my family. <laughs> Praise God. But listen, I've been clean and sober and serving the Lord for 20 years, and there's still some of them when I come around, I know they got one eye on me. They're hugging me. <laughs> Do that, Pastor Tiny. That's scary. That looks like my family. <laughs> they hug me. They say, I love you. You're doing great, but we're watching you. Because any minute Ron Wilson could go off. Because they remember the old, come on, oh yeah. See, it's okay if I tell on myself, huh? You guys like that part, but when I step on your toes, it gets really quiet up in here. Look, James gives us another illustration in verse 4. He says, look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. 
I, I chose the Queen Mary because everybody's familiar with the Queen Mary. How many have visited the Queen Mary? Yeah, see, we've all been down to Long Beach, took a, took a walk on the Queen Mary. That thing has three acres of recreational space, okay? It's huge. It, it's, it's, it's three times bigger than the Titanic. I don't know. Is anybody on the Titanic? <laughs> that was on last night. Okay, there you go. Yeah, this relatively small rudder directs the ocean liner into the sea, through the storms, and makes it go wherever it It keeps that big old boat on course. Our tongue's like that. Our tongue is like a rudder that steers our lives. I'm, I'm preaching the truth to you today. Some of you, this is going to be life-changing for you. Listen, if you don't like where you're heading right now, change the way you talk. <laughs> change the things you talk about. Some people think that the tongue, if it has so much influence, maybe I should just be quiet. And that's not what we're trying to do. It's like, it reminds me of the, of the monk who, who went to the monastery. This guy wanted to be a monk. And so they put him on probation for three years. They said, you have to be quiet. You can only say two words at the end of every year. So at the end of the first year, he went to the head monastery priest guy, and he said, hey. No, he didn't say hey, because that would have been three words. He said, bed hard. End of the second year, he went to him, and he said, food cold. The end of the third year, he went to him, and he says, I quit. And the head priest says, it doesn't surprise me. All you've done is complain since you got here. Right? James, James says that your tongue will direct where you go. You've got, listen, we've got to learn to control it. We've got to get this thing, this, this beast under control. The second thing is my tongue can destroy what I have. Verse 5 of James chapter 3, it says, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles. So he gives us this, this new illustration about just picturing a beautiful forest with all the trees. Anybody been to the forest and driving through the passes? Or when we just went through California, where they just had the home fire. We just came through there yesterday. Devastated, devastated. But in just a moment, just one match can completely annihilate. Anybody know about the Tuolumne fire in 2013? Man, this thing, they call it the Rim Fire. You might recognize it by that. Up by Big Bear, actually, that's where men's camp is. I remember that that fire got so close to Camp Cedar Crest that people started praying, and it actually came to the property line and stopped. God stopped it. Just like he can stop the firestorm in your mouth if you'll, if you'll, if you'll let him. Did I say that out loud? If, if you'll let him. That, that fire burned 400 miles of land, 253,000 acres of land. It killed 15 people, countless structures, all because of one match. And that's what James is saying. That's what James is trying to illustrate here. Your tongue can destroy like that. It can wipe out everything. You can lose everything because of what comes out of your mouth. Listen, a fire... Like words under control can give great warmth and light, but a fire just like our words out of control can be completely devastating to our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. 
I ain't said nobody's name yet, so you don't have to be so quiet. And I'm not going to, except for my own. Look at James chapter 3, verse 6. <laughs> verse 6, James says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Well, he's saying here that, that words create a chain reaction in your life, man. You can say something not meaning to have any impact or, or not any, meaning it to tear anybody down or not any, meaning to have any harm, but it completely controls the direction of your life. James said it's set on fire by hell itself. Your tongue, your mouth, set on fire by hell itself. Our words can cause all hell to break loose. Our words. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. Been involved in a conversation like Maybe the recipient of that. It happens. James says you got to manage your mouth, not only because it will direct where you go, but it can destroy what you have. You can lose your family. You can lose your kids. You can lose your career. You can lose everything because of one little member in your body that has so much power. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23, it says this. It says, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Can I be direct with you this morning? Some of you are always in trouble because you can't control your mouth. Because you can't get... Listen, man, I understand this. I'm not preaching to you as somebody who is perfect yet, who's got this figured out. Matter of fact, this has probably been one of the greatest areas of growth and probably one of the greatest areas of weakness in my Christian life. Can I just be transparent? People look at me like, why do you tell people that stuff about yourself? Because you need to know I'm as real as anybody else in this room, amen? The church that I came from, they will tell you, Dean's not here. He would confirm it because we were in that same church together. They built the first church that they had on my mouth. How do you say? Because they had what they called a cuss fund. And every time I cussed, I had to give them a dollar. I didn't even go to church unless I had a pocket full of dollars. Come on, somebody. And I'm not saying that to be, oh, there's Dean right there. True, right? Pocket full of dollars, always in the jar. A dollar every time it slipped. I'll tell you what that did for me. It taught me. See, I didn't know better. I grew up in a house where it was okay. I was cussing since the age of like eight years old. Yeah, it just was accepted. It, just, it was normal. It was common language in our home. It wasn't a Christian environment. We drank, we partied, we cussed, and we went with women that did too. You know what I'm saying? Not at eight years old, but... <laughs> It wasn't until I was nine that I started meeting ladies like that. And then I joined the Navy. Enough said. Sailor mouth. So, so many, like many, maybe even here today, I didn't even know it was coming out of my mouth. It was everyday language for me. And, and, and by the pastors developing, they weren't trying to bust my chops. I did the same thing here at the food bank for a season, right? I got a few bucks out of that. 
And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. It's how I learned. Every time they looked at me, you owe me a dollar. What did I say? And I meant that. And they would tell me what I said. I was like, oh, that is bad, huh? F-bomb right in front of the students. That's not good. Shouldn't be talking like that in front of your kids, parents. And so I would give money, and, and, and they built a church. And they didn't really build a church, but I did give a lot of money. And I learned. And, and guess what? I've grown. I don't cuss. 17 years of marriage. Have you ever heard me cuss? 16 years of life, Justice. Have you ever heard me cuss? Never. Turkeys. That's the strongest. If I say that sucks, that's cussing to me. That's a bad word in my house. Huh? Fart knocker. Don't get me going on the Christian cuss words right now. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Never mind. No, we're not going there. I should move on in the sermon, probably. The point I'm trying to make is, is you can get victory, and we'll get to this in a minute. But it's still, my tongue still, I don't say foul words, but I still sometimes say things I wish that I didn't say. James gives us an, another illustration here, kind of like a zoo-like illustration, 7 and 8. He says, for every kind of beast and, and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poisons. So of all the animals that mankind has been able to tame, the tongue is one thing you can't. He says it's full of unruly evil and deadly poison. You know what that word unruly means? It's liable to break out at any moment. Yeah. Right? That, that, that term deadly poison, the, the Greek of that literally means a snake venom. Just a few drops can kill. Just a few choice words can completely assassinate somebody, completely annihilate a character or a, a spirit in a young person. Slander and gossip, which is prevalent in all churches. And, and I'll tell you what, Grapevine, we've had our share of it. I'm not saying there's anything that I sense rising right now. That's not why I'm preaching today's message, but we've had our share of it. Amen? Amen. Gossip. Gossip is like taking a high-powered rifle and hiding behind the trees and picking someone out from 300 yards away and shooting them in the face. Slander is like taking a 357 and putting it in their face while they look you in the eyes and blowing them away. That's the only difference between gossip and slander. They're both just as deadly. Tongue is a deadly weapon. Here's C. Your tongue displays who you are. It reveals my character. It, it, it shows what's really going on inside of me. And James tells us that our speech, a lot of times, it's inconsistent. Here, read these verses with me, verses 9 and 10. He says, with it... We bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God, is what that means. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brothers, this should not be so. See, we say two different things out of the same mouth. We come to church on Sunday, 
and our mouths are used for the, the highest purpose it was given, to, to praise God audibly. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. That's praising God audibly. That's why God gave you a mouth. He wants to hear your voice. He loves your voice. Amen. He wants you to praise him. But then we get into the car after church and we cuss our wife out or our husband out and we fight about who's, who's going where to lunch. And then we get on the phone and we call our best friend who's not a Christian and we start dropping F-bombs. And it's the same mouth you just got through praising God with. And sometimes I walk in conversations and, and with Christian brothers and sisters and they're, and they're talking all negative and they got foul language on their mouth. And I'll look at them and they, I've even been known to say, do you praise God with that mouth? How do you praise God? And James saying, we all do it. We all bless God and we all curse others with our mouth. If there's anybody exempt in this room, please come and preach the word of God for me. I am not exempt either. Because cursing doesn't necessarily mean cussing. Cursing can be any kind of a put down, like you're good for nothing. You'll never amount to anything. You're stupid. You're low class. You're, you're homeless. Duh. That's cursing. And any kind of curse is a is a put-down. And, and, and James says, why do you curse men who were a, made in the image of God? Amen. You might as well curse God. Job's friends tried to get him to, huh? Just curse God and die. said, I ain't having none of that. Listen, I preach pretty direct. I, I try to not sugarcoat the Word of God. I like to just lay it all out there, and it's up to us what we do with it. Well, your personal life is your personal life. But if I ever come across a conversation and, and hear anybody talking to their children like this, telling they're stupid or they, listen, I got to hear those things as a kid. You're an accident. You won't amount to anything. Listen, I still deal with that, man. If I hear it, I will be in your face. I will correct you as your pastor, as a man of God. Don't talk to your kids that way. Build them up. Esteem them. Amen. Do I have your permission? Some of you are like, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, uh, you heard him. Okay. It's on recording. We're going we're gonna to put this one online so everybody's going to hear you say yes. But James tells us that we all struggle in this area. And he gives us the reason why in, in verses 11 and 12. Look at He says, does a, does a spring send forth fresh water? And bitter water from the same opening? Can a, tree, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt and fresh water. Listen, whatever's in the well comes out in the water, right? right? Whatever is in the tree comes out in the fruit. That's how this thing works. My problem is not my tongue. My problem is my heart. My heart is my problem. Jesus said it best in Matthew verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 34. He said, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of what's going on in here, what is coming inside of you is what's coming out of you. He says, a person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue has an unsettled heart. 
A person with a boasting tongue has an insecure or prideful heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. And a person who's critical all the time has a bitter heart. But on the other hand, a person who's always encouraging, they have a happy heart, right? Makes me want to go watch the movie Happy Feet. A, a person who speaks gently has a loving heart. A pre- person who speaks truthfully has an honest heart, and so on, and so on. So let me help you. What's the answer? Well, I already told you. First one, get a new heart. <coughs> we need a new heart. Ezekiel chapter 18 Verse 31 says, cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed. Listen, throw your sin away and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Painting the outside of the pump doesn't make any difference if there's poison in the well. You can get all dressed up and put your Sunday best on, but what's going on inside of your heart is what's going to flow out of you, and you need a new heart. How do you get one? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. And how many things become new? All. All. Your heart becomes new. Your mouth becomes new. Your mind becomes new. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> we need a good old-fashioned revival right about now. When you come to Jesus, he wipes away everything. All the past sins that you've ever committed, he just, he eradicates them. He says you get a do-over. How many need do-overs every once in a while? Man, you get a new life, a new heart, and a new spirit. And I think we need to pray like David prayed in Psalm 51 when he said, Create in me a new heart, O God. Man, we should pray that prayer. Create in me a new heart. If you struggle in this area at all, Create in me a new heart. It brings me to the next point. Ask God for help. Man, you can't, you can't, listen, you can't do this on your own. You can't control your, James told us, no man can tame it. You can't tame it. Only God can. We need supernatural power from on high to tame our tongue. Amen? Amen. We need to release our tongue to the Lord. He said, if you sin, if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck it out. Your tongue causes you to sin? Cut it out. I don't do this a lot. I probably should do this more often. Turn to Psalm 143. You, you need this verse today. Turn in your Bible. Turn in your iPhone, your iPad, your i What was it? I Lord and your iCarumba if you have one. 141, what did I say, 144? 141, verse 3, I'm sorry. If you got one of these flaggy thingies, you might just flag this in your Bible. You might highlight it. I'll give you permission to write in your Bible. It's okay, huh, Pastor Stu? Write in your Bible, circle this verse, because if you have a problem with your tongue, this is a great verse to memorize and to pray every morning. It says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I, I kind of just kind of try to personalize this. God, put a muzzle on my mouth. huh? Sometimes the best thing to say is nothing at all. Some of you feel like you've got to say something. No, you don't. Some of you need to not. Look at, 
I know it's the shortest path from here to here, but that's the wrong path. Dean told us earlier the 10-second rule. If it comes here, wait 10 seconds before it comes out of here. Let it get time to go through the filter of your heart and out of your mouth. Amen? Amen. Don't let me say a critical thing today. Don't let me be judgmental. Don't let me say something that I will regret. That's what David's saying in Psalm 141. We need to ask God daily because we need his help daily. You ever heard the word uh, Geigo? Not Geico. G-I-G-O. It's a computer term. Garbage in, garbage out. Man, what you're bringing in is what's coming out. And you need to replace that with the Word of God. You need to let the Word of God overwhelm your heart. What goes into your mind goes into your heart. And what goes into your heart comes out of your mouth. It's the truth. Paul told us in Philippians chapter 4 what things we should be thinking about. Whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtue. Is there anything praiseworthy? Paul said, meditate on these things, not the things of the world, not not the things that are pressing, not the things that discourage you or disappoint you. Meditate on things that are praiseworthy in your life. Let those overwhelm your heart. And the last thing before I let you go this morning, think before you speak. Think before you engage your mind, engage your mind before it comes out of your mouth. There's a, there's a, there's a principle I've been using for years and it's the think principle. I always say, think about this principle before you decide to get involved in a conversation of whether or not it's gossip or not. Is it true? Is what you're about to talk about true? If so, is it helpful? And you getting involved in the conversation that's happening, is it going to help anything? Is it inspiring? Is the conversation you're having going to be able to inspire the person that you're talking about out of the situation that they're in? Is it even necessary? Is the conversation you're in even necessary to have? And if so, is what you're saying kind? If not, dismiss yourself from that conversation. Get out of it because it's gossip. If you can't bring light into it, you don't have any business being there. So James says in chapter 1, verse 19, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Listen, there, there's an order here. He laid it out this way for a reason. Be quick to listen and be slow to speak. Quick to listen, slower to speak. And when we do that, we'll be slow to become angry. Will be slow to say something. I call it, did I call it already? Foot and mouth disease, right? Foot and mouth disease. How many of you have tasted shoe leather too many times in your life? Huh? Toe jam, even with peanut butter, it's not the best stuff in the world, okay? You don't want that stuff in your mouth. If you're slow to speak, then you'll be slow to become angry. If you have a problem with anger, you need to work on being a quick listener and slower to speak. If I was to play back every conversation that you had this week, we just piped it in over the intercom right now and started playing every conversation that each one of you had this week, what would it reveal about you? What would we learn about you? 
That's a question for you. I don't really want to know the conversations. Our tongues display who we are, and they direct where we're going. James is saying the only way to get control of your tongue is to let Jesus Christ have your heart. That's the bottom line. It's the only way. And listen, I didn't come here this morning to beat anybody up. As I've stated several times, this message convicted me about sometimes how I speak to my wife or how I speak to my children. I don't cuss them out. I don't tell them they're worthless. I don't tell them they're not going to mount any. I have, I have, but sometimes I'm short-tempered. Sometimes I say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want, or that's dumb. I don't need to hear that. Man, that's just wrong. I don't need to speak to anybody that way. So with every head bowed in this place, and maybe you're here this morning and you have a problem with your tongue like I do. And you say, you know what, Pastor? It's a heart thing, and it is. It's a heart thing. And today I want to give that area of my heart to the Lord. Would you just lift your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys, for being obedient and just trusting the Lord. That's awesome. Put your hands down now. Of those hands that went up, and maybe a hand didn't go up, but you're here this morning, and Jesus is not Lord of your life. You've never said yes to him. You've never given your heart and life to him. You say, Pastor, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I, my life is, is, is a wreck. My life is not where I want it to be. And Today I'll give Jesus a try. Would you show me your hand? Is there anybody here this morning? All right. Praise God. Praise God. Good. Good. Would you stand with me? There were a lot of hands that went up. And just like 2 Corinthians chapter 5 told us, if we give our life to the Lord, all things become new. So Lord, as we again raise our hands, those of us that say, hey, sometimes my mouth is out of control. Sometimes I'm too quick to speak. And I don't even listen. Turn the corner for us, Lord. Help us. Help us to be mindful of this. Help us to memorize Psalm 141. Guard our lips. Guard our hearts. Let nothing evil come out of our mouths. Let us use our mouths to bless people and not curse people. Let us esteem others higher than ourselves. And Lord, as we do, we'll notice change in our life. Our countenance will be up. Our spirit will be up. Our, our joy will be up. It will be full. And the peace in our life will be full as well. Bless your family today, Jesus, as we go and watch a little football or whatever it is we do. Let's let it be an amazing day. Let us love on our family and our friends and our neighbors today with the words we use. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.